Amen. So we'll dive right in. The angel came to Nazareth. It's verses 26 through 27. And I want to read them again to you. Uh, let's pick up verse number 26. And it had been, re- oh, no, that's chapter two. Let's try chapter one. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. We'll pause there and just going to preach through a number of things that are taking place. First thing we're told, it's in the sixth month. The sixth month of what? Well, it's in the sixth month of Elizabeth, Elizabeth's pregnancy. That's what the sixth month is being referred to here. And Elizabeth is older, and it's a miracle that she's having a baby. And we'll circle back around to that towards the end of the sermon. But the angel Gabriel, we're told, comes to Nazareth and comes to Mary. He didn't come to Judea. He didn't come to Jerusalem, didn't come to the temple like we might expect. He comes to, if I could say it like this, Nazareth. Where one wouldn't expect him to come. What's Nazareth? Well, it's a city in Galilee. What's Galilee? Galilee is this mongrel of people. Isaiah calls This, in Isaiah 9, the the Galilee of nations, meaning the Galilee of the peoples. It just means, it's just a picture of, it's just a mongrel of peoples here. Um, It's it's nowhere. That's what Nazareth is. Um, Luke is announcing that the angel of the Lord came to nowhere. Nowhere of significance. A nowhere city. Do you remember how often Nazareth is referred to in the Old Testament? It's not referred to. The angel of the Lord came to an insignificant place, an unmentioned place, a nothing city. It's between two port cities of Sidon and Tyre. It feels like a popular place to us because we hear about Nazareth. You go, oh, it's Nazareth. That must have been a big deal. And No, it wasn't. It wasn't a big deal at all. It was just Nazareth. A nothing place overrun by Gentiles and Roman soldiers. This is how Nathaniel viewed Nazareth, reading from John 1. It says, Philip found Nathaniel and said to him, We have found him whom, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's a good sense for us of what Nazareth is. But not only did he come to nowhere, he also came to nobody. Who's Mary? Mary is the person that's equivalent to the city. What great thing has Mary done to deserve this visit from an angel sent from the Lord. This is stunning. Who is Mary? Well, she's a poor girl. She's probably illiterate. Uh, The guess is she's probably around 12 to 14 years old. She has a humble upbringing. She is nothing special. So the angel of the Lord came to nobody from nowhere. 
And that's what Luke is telling us here. And yet it's here. And it was her that the angel of the Lord was sent to make an announcement. But not any old announcement. To make the greatest announcement in all of history. The most glorious announcement ever uttered to human ears. Now, I'm not going to preach past verse 38 this morning. Christian will pick that up next week. But you should read it later on this afternoon and read the response to the announcement, Mary's response, where she just explodes in worship to the Lord, magnify the Lord. So hear the response from the nobody from nowhere. Secondly, the angel's announcement. What did he actually announce? Picking up in verse number 28, says this, and he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Imagine, nobody from nowhere, 12 to 14 years old, Verse 30, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. We'll pause there. At this point, it's good for us to consider some of the different words that the angel is using, phrases. He says, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. Mary, you're You're favored by the Lord. (laughs) Meaning she is blessed by God. Meaning she is hand-chosen, hand-picked by God. Yes, she is favored by God. Would anybody disagree this morning? (laughs) You are hand-picked by God, Mary, to bear the son of the living God. Who would disagree with the angel? Yeah, you're the favored one. You're going to give birth to God in human flesh. But hear me, there's two things here that this does not mean. It doesn't mean that she was, quote unquote, full of grace. All right? It's full of grace. It's the, it's the phrase that the, that the Catholic Church interprets from verse 28. In the medieval ages, this is the idea that Mary was full of grace. That, that idea in the middle, medieval ages continued to grow and grow to the point of stating that Mary became the quote-unquote dispenser of grace. All right, so she went from full of grace to the dispenser of grace, okay? And then um, if she is the dispenser of grace, it would make sense that we should then pray to her, okay? So just showing you quick, quickly how things kind of built over the ages. Um, It culminated in 1854 with Pius IX, who declared the doctrine of the Immaculate Conception. And he said, quote, um, or the, the doctrine states, from the first moment of her conception, the Blessed Virgin Mary was, by the singular grace and privilege of Almighty God, and in view of the merits of Jesus Christ, Savior of mankind, 
kept from, this is Mary, from stain of original sin, Pius IX. Now, the only part of that I can agree with are the words, Blessed Virgin Mary. All right, that part, I'm, I'm, I'm tracking. The rest I struggle with. Uh, Mary, Mary is certainly blessed and favored by God, but she is not the dispenser of grace. Second thing, and maybe this is more relative to us this morning, I think when we hear blessed and favored by God, I, I, how do I want to say it? I want to say, I think the prosperity gospel lives in us more than we care to admit. That's what I want to say. We think blessed means, well, that equals, you know, I mean, what does it mean? A, a blessed life means you've got a good life. Maybe it means you've got an easy life. Maybe it means that, you know, things are going well for you. I, you know, you're the favored one of God, Mary. That must mean that things are easy for you. We, we look at other people and we see just maybe they've got some more comforts, maybe some more financial blessing, or maybe their job is better than mine. And we think, or we might even say, oh, you're so blessed. That's just not how the Bible looks at the word Blessed. This view of blessing is so indoctrinated in us. That's what I mean when I say I think there's more prosperity gospel than we care to admit. That's what I'm talking about there. It's so indoctrinated in us. It's almost kind of second nature. But it has more to do, when we say those kinds of things, it has more to do with the American dream than it does the Bible. We say things like, you're so blessed when things are going well and life is easy. But the biblical view of blessing shows us that we are blessed because or by knowing the Lord, by being chosen by God, by redemption by his blood. And that blessing is bigger than a paycheck. It's bigger than an easy life. That blessing is, is bigger than a retirement fund. It's bigger than, it's the day before Thanksgiving and you got a good parking spot at Publix. Like, I mean, you know, you're so blessed. How silly the way we think of the word blessed. To be blessed of the Lord is to be blessed when life is good and circumstances are good. And to be blessed by the Lord is to be blessed when circumstances are really difficult. And praise be to God, there are brothers and sisters today in a Libyan prison, blessed by God. Because they preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why they find themselves there. So Gabriel says to this no one in a no city, nowhere city, greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. You are favored by God. You are blessed, which is going to mean things that we know that she didn't know. What does it mean that Mary you're blessed. Well, it means that one day you will watch your son be beaten with a whip to an inch from life. You will, you will watch such mockery that they will fashion a crown of thorns to mock your, your son's kingship and press those thorns into his brow. You're blessed, Mary, favored one. You will watch your son be nailed to the cross 
and crucified in humiliating ways. You're blessed, Mary, to ensure we think he's dead, but let's make sure, let's pierce him through with a sword. You might be thinking, if this is what favored or blessed means, the Lord is with you means I'll take a pass. And many, or most people, do just that. Christianity is not the path of least resistance. It's not, Christianity, if anyone has told you, perhaps you're here this morning and you're not a follower of Christ, thank you for being here. Thank you for listening this morning. But if anyone's told you, oh, come to Christ and life will be easy, they have lied to you. Christianity is not easy. It's not comfortable sometimes to walk with Christ. You know, when Christ was talking to his disciples, he said to them things like, take up your cross and follow me. An indicator that, you know what, following me, that there will be a potential of your own death, of which they found to be true. Well, the favor of the Lord is on you, Mary. And I want to say to you, the favor of the Lord, the blessing of the Lord, all those who have a relationship with God this morning, the favor of the Lord is on you, church, genuine followers of Christ. That means you have eternal life. You have peace and righteousness in Christ. That means God is with you. That means you are, in the truest sense of the word, blessed by God. Means the Lord is with you and he will always with, be with you. But that doesn't mean that life will be easy. Quite the opposite. The, the, to be favored by the Lord might mean that you will suffer for the Lord. And you might have difficulty in this life. It might even mean persecution. It might mean leaving family and friends and moving to places like friends have, Senegal, like friends are. They're not here with us this morning. They're at the Great Outdoors Church this morning. They'll be at Park Avenue next week. And we're praying that they will raise all their funds and then they'll be with us on the 31st. I'm intentionally not naming their name for the sake of the recording. But you know who I'm talking about. Where they will travel to India, right? They're blessed. Or it might mean for any of us, it might mean family doesn't understand you. It might mean questions that are brought to you. Why do you spend so much time with those people? Why do you do so much at the church? Why do you give your money? Why do you give your energy? Favorite of the Lord will mean sacrifice and service on the easy day. And if you live in Iran or Pakistan or Afghanistan, or if we move over to Somalia or Sudan or Nigeria, it might mean that you serve the Lord in such a way that you find yourself in a prison. Or you even find yourself... Um, in an early death and you are favored by God, blessed by the Lord. And an encouragement follows this announcement. <laughs> what, what do you need to know if you find yourself in that prison? What's the encouragement that follows? God is with you. <laughs> God is with you, Mary. That which is, was prophesied by Isaiah back there in chapter 7 is now being announced here by Gabriel in Luke chapter 1. And the encouragement is for Mary, but it's also for us. We sang about it, right? God is with you. Favored ones, church, 
God is with you, Emmanuel. God will come to you, Mary, and he will be with you, church. Now, isn't that a twist for Mary? Because she's going to be the mother. The angel doesn't say, you are favored by the Lord and you will be with him. That's, that's how we would think of it, right? The baby needs a mother. What he's communicating here is not the baby's dependence on mom, but on mom's dependence on the baby. The good news here is not that Mary will be with him, but that he will be with her. And the good news for us this morning is not that, hey, we're with you, Lord. <laughs> the good news this morning is that the Lord is with us. That's what we need to know. That's the good news to all the sinners in the room this morning. The Lord is with you. And we need to know that. And I need a God. I need a Savior who will rend the heavens, leaving behind the glories of the heavens to come to be with us. So God will come and be with her that he might then come and be with us. Next thing he tells her, don't be afraid. And don't you love that? Don't you love, we always kind of point these out with the angels, how they always kind of show up and say, don't be afraid. Just try to imagine this scene. You're 12 to 14 years old. You're a young girl. Here's an angel, all right? And the angel is sent from the Lord. Um, this isn't a tale. It's, it, it's not a story that we tell to then be followed by a story of Santa, but it's probably a good way for an angel to introduce himself. If you go back to the previous section, the angel introduced himself to Zechariah. You know, the guy who could no longer speak <laughs> until, until the baby was born by Elizabeth. Maybe there's good reasons to be afraid when the angel shows up. And that phrase, do not be afraid, it'll be, it'll be echoed by Jesus as well. Don't be afraid, because Mary, after all, there's an angel of the Lord in front of you right now. You nobody from nowhere, an angel of the Lord is visiting you. The God of the universe has sent a messenger specifically to you, Mary, but don't be afraid. But that guy that Isaiah prophesied about, that the government will be on his shoulders, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, yeah, you're gonna give birth to him. You are the favored one. And then he tells her, this is what I've been sent to tell you. He, he says to her in verse 31, you will conceive. You're gonna have a baby. The one that was spoken of from David's root. Remember, a year ago, we're walking through Samuel, First and Second Samuel. We came to Samuel chapter 7. But remember when we preached that, that, that covenant of David, Mary would have been familiar with, these are not like unfamiliar words. 
Isaiah 7, she would have been familiar with, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Is it dawning on her at this moment? <clears throat> that baby, that, that's me, Isaiah 7. I'm that virgin. Hey, Mary, you're the one, nobody from nowhere, who's going to give birth to that baby that you've heard about all your life growing up in the synagogue. You're going to have a baby, and his name, is told, is going to be Jesus. His name is Savior. Your baby is the one that the psalmist wrote about. I will establish his over offspring forever in his throne as the days of his heavens. Pick up here in verse number 32. The angel speaking, he says, he will be great and will be called the son of God, the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom will be no, uh, there will be no end. You're the one, Mary. You're gonna give birth to the son of God. Come down in human flesh. You're the one who will labor with the, with the birth pains. The Son of God will grow in your womb over these next nine months and will travel through your birth canal. You, Mary, will give birth to that one. All those Old Testament scriptures that you've been taught as a child, yeah, they're referring to your baby. <laughs> oh my. But don't be afraid. <laughs> It's all good. You're birthing the one who created the world. You're birthing the one who created you. Oh, and also, verse 35, the power of the Holy Spirit will do this. Let's call him Son of God. Thirdly is the angel's final words. Let's pick up in verse 36. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. <laughs> it's as if the angel is saying, Here's exhibit A on how nothing is impossible for the Lord. Exhibit A, you know, you've got a relative, and uh, she's barren, and she's elderly. Well, she's six months. Um, and that's taking place, and this is taking place for you to know that nothing's impossible for the Lord. And you know, Mary's reply informs ours. Or we could say, what are we to do with this? Like, is there any application to what we're reading here? Or how do we respond today? You know, it's Advent. Great. What do we do? <laughs> I believe, and you've heard this before, but I believe that Advent ought to be more of a verb than a noun. Um, Advent isn't something that we passively just kind of observe. Rather, um, that we actively anticipate that we engage with. And so we want to advent. And so in closing, let's look at Mary's questions 
throughout this passage as I believe her questions and then her responses will help us to advent, to respond together. First of all, back in verse number 29. Where are you at, 29? Here. Oh, I'm in chapter 2 again. All right. Verse 29. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. She's greatly troubled. She, we're told she's trying to discern. This could be translated that she was troubled and yet she was meditative. She's, she's contemplating the words that are being brought to her. She's, she's discerning. She's, she's wrestling with these words. She's considering them. What do these words mean for my life? Why is this angel here? And if I could bring that to us this morning, and why are we here? today. You see, we would, be, we would do well to slow down our lives in this time of year, in this season, both believers and unbelievers. Advent is a good season for us to slow things down and intentionally reflect or contemplate or discern. What do these things mean? This announcement being announced over Mary has implications for our lives as well. Well, what are they? Let's slow down our lives enough to reflect, to meditate, to contemplate, to discern these words that were brought to Mary. They have implications for us as well. And so I want to invite you, slow down, meditate, consider, contemplate, seek to discern what these words that were brought to Mary, how do they, um, what are the implications in my life? Jesus is coming in human flesh. Why did he do that? Contemplate, meditate, discern. What does this mean for life? Secondly, she asks the question, how is this possible in verse 34? And it's here that I want to ask all who are here today, and you're a genuine follower of Jesus Christ, meaning you've repented of your sins and you're trusting in Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you're actively seeking to follow Christ. Allow the Advent season to be a time to reflect on the impossibility of your new birth. How can this be so? Mary asks. We, we all can rightly ask Mary's question. She asks, how will this be since I'm a virgin? She knows what? She can't produce a child. She can't make a birth happen. I'm a virgin, she says. And for us, how has your new birth in Christ happened? How did that take place? How am I a believer this morning in Jesus Christ? How am I a Christian? Because I know I have no fruitfulness of new life within me. That righteousness is completely outside of me. That Christ himself has produced something in me that I myself could not produce. And the answer comes out at the end of verse 38. 
Let's join with Mary and consider God has pronounced something out of nothing (laughs) in every Christian. Christian, you have been made righteous in Christ Jesus and you could not make that happen in and of yourself. So consider along with Mary, how can this be? How is it that we're here this morning? How is it that you have a heart for God? How is it that you desire to honor him with your life? How can this be that you and I have new life in Christ? Well, it's entirely outside of us. He has enacted upon us by his spirit. Only because of the work of Christ is it that you and I might know him this morning. In Christ alone, my hope is found. The Holy Spirit has come to you, believer, not unlike the Holy Spirit came to Mary and he brought life into her and he has breathed new life into you and brought to her a life she couldn't produce and he brought to you a new life you could not produce. This new birth that you're living, that was outside of you. It was apart, it was, it was out of you, it was, it was apart from you. Enacted new life on you and in you. Speaking of salvation, Jesus says, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. John 3. Romans 8 shows us that you and I could no more produce a new birth in Christ than Mary could produce a child outside of the work of the Holy Spirit. So reflect this morning and worship God in this Advent season. He has enacted new life upon you. If it were not for him, Mary would not have given, have, have a child given to her. And if it were not for him, you and I would not have new life in us. Verse 36, it's kind of Gabriel to show her how this impossible thing is possible by pointing her to Elizabeth to have an exhibit A. Here, look. Like, isn't that kind? I just think that's so practically kind. Gabriel's reminding her, Elizabeth, your relative, who's barren, who's elderly, she can't have a child. Well, she's six months. And he says, verse 37, nothing's impossible for God. God will bring this to be. And there's two ways that I wanted to help us this morning that I hope might encourage us. One, look at each other. Exhibit A is all around you, okay? Look around the room. Your friends shouldn't be here. How is it that we're in community together? How is it that the Lord has saved, it, has saved us? How is it that we now serve the Lord in community together? You see, I want you to see what Mary was seeing. It is literally impossible for humanity to be saved. But look, look at Elizabeth. She's having a baby. And I want to say to us, so church, look at each other. Look at the new life that's represented in this room that has been given to your brothers and sisters and be encouraged by that. And nothing is impossible with the Lord. I believe we ought to take great encouragement by walking in the door and saying, oh, there's Richard, (laughs) right? There's Toxie. There's Bill. There's Yachty. Praise be to God. Exhibit A, all around us, 
Oh, nothing's impossible for the Lord. And so that's to encourage us this morning. But secondly, let it stir our faith that we might have hope for friends and family who today are currently not serving the Lord. Why would any of us ever stop praying for lost loved ones to come to him? Are we not shocked that he came to us? To no longer pray for the lost people that we think, you know, I just don't think the Lord's going to save them. Well, there's something wrong in that. There's something that says, and, but of course he saved me. Like there's something righteous in me that he would save me, but in them, yeah, maybe not so. To no longer pray for the lost, recognize the pride that's in that. We're saying, I get my salvation, but I just can't see it over there. Lord, help me. I don't have faith for his or hers, and I just want to ask us this morning, why not? Let's die praying for the lost to know him. Why? Why? Well, because Mary's having a child. That's why. Contemplate it. Consider it. What does it mean for life? Mary's with child, meaning nothing is impossible for the Lord. And some of us, sometimes, probably all of us, think that salvation of certain people is impossible. So be reminded and freshly stirred, pray for that person, the Elizabeth and Mary, that the Lord would produce in your loved ones what they cannot produce in themselves. Well, she closes with saying, I am the Lord's servant. What a beautiful response to such shocking news, such terrifying news. To reply in such humility, I'm yours, Lord. It's, 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 well, it's not unlike her son will one day say, not my will, but yours be done. <laughs> it's, it's definitely in that vein of a response Help us to respond in, in similar ways. I'm yours, Lord. I'm the Lord's servant. What you're calling me to. You know, my calling and your calling isn't it, obviously. Yep, you can write this down, you know, put it, put it in quotes. Tim said it, right? <laughs> We're not Mary. Okay, you got it? Yeah. We're not Mary. We're not called to do what Mary was called to do. And yet, don't you want that response to whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to? Where you're saying, I'm the Lord's servant. Lord, help me to live with that kind of submission. There is much that Mary still doesn't understand. That's not the point, is it? It's not the point of faith. It isn't Mary saying, you know, once I get all this figured out, once I have clarity on all that's being announced to me right now, um, then I'll submit to you, Lord. Now, oh my goodness, how many questions must she have right now? How much fear must be rising up in her? And yet in the middle of all of that, I'm yours, Lord. I'm the Lord's servant. It's not wait until you've got it all figured out. It's not wait until you have perfect understanding and then I'll submit to you. No, this is, this is what the Lord would have me to do. I belong to you, Lord. I don't fully get it. I might never get it on this side of eternity, but I submit according to your word, she says. 
what a this is your will be done moment. I'm going to invite the worship team to come, but I just want to quickly just really fast reset these. How do we advent? How do we, how do we respond to Luke chapter 1? Well, we meditate and we consider what Christ coming as a baby means for our lives. Two, we ask, how is it possible that I have new life in me? And that should throw us into next week. My soul, my soul magnifies the Lord. All that is within me. Three, we can know something. Know that nothing is impossible for the Lord. So be intentionally grateful for the community of the believers that we get to worship with each week. It's a display of God doing the impossible. That's what's sitting next to you this morning. But also that we might have faith and we might pray for those who are yet to come to him. And for we respond, I am the Lord's servant. Let's stand together and worship our God.